0: And welcome to Wednesday on the Piero Pelka podcast. It's Mike. My goodness, do we have stuff to talk about. So many things. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot going on in DC and around the country. Some of it's going to make you laugh. Some of it's going to make you angry. And I hope it will make you be engaged for the midterms now 19 full days away. 19 full days away from the midterm elections. And Joe Biden is going to spend another long weekend in Delaware. He's not on the road campaigning with Democrats in trouble because nobody wants him. And he's not in D.C. doing anything to reduce the horrific inflation we have in our country right now. I realize the presidency travels with the president. But Joe Biden has made so many trips away from Washington, D.C., it's hard to know if he's working because the Biden administration will not allow us to see the guest logs of who is visiting Joe Biden when he's in Delaware at his home in Wilmington or when he is at his beach mansion in lower, slower Delaware, the beach mansion that is having a half million dollar wall constructed around it with taxpayer funding. Because walls work on Joe Biden's home. Walls work when you're a Democrat. Walls work except on the border. And uh, Joe Biden is a a guy who obviously doesn't study history much. We do. We take a look back on history. And it was uh, a year ago tomorrow that Joe Biden said this about the Build Back Better bill that he was pitching and the attempts to pour even more taxpayer dollars into uh, a market that didn't need it, into a country that didn't need it. This is from a year ago tomorrow.
1: The cost of the Build Back Better bill in terms of adding to the deficit is zero, zero, zero because we're going to pay for it all. In addition to that, half of it is a tax cut. It's not spending money, it's a tax cut for working class people. So how can giving people
0: money be something that's going to be paid for? Hmm, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's um, thank God we killed the Build Back Better, because it would have been Build Back Bankrupt on top of the infrastructure spending, on top of the inflation reduction bill. Yeah, this would have been a mess. Thank God that didn't happen. But there's more from Joe. It's
1: about time, as I said, and I come from the corporate state of the world. Not a joke. More corporations are are registered in my state than every other state in the United States combined. That
0: doesn't make you a businessman. That doesn't make you understand business. That makes you a resident of a state where people are registering their corporations. Now Nevada has also joined in on that and is very competitive, and I think South Dakota is too. But Joe mentions that a lot. Never mind the fact that uh, he got his kid a cushy job with one of those companies. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that another time. Let's get back to Joe and this uh, this little chatter from a year ago.
1: And I represented the state of DuPont, as you used to call it, for 36 years. I'm not anti-business, but I'm about just begin pay your
0: fair share. So pay your fair share. Now, pay your fair share would refer probably to the taxes that a corporation would pay. And I wonder, in those 36 years that Joe was in the Senate, I wonder who was making the tax laws. It was Congress, it was the House and the Senate who made the tax laws and approved them. So if you didn't think the corporations were paying their fair share all those years, why did you do nothing about it,
1: sir? And what is a fair share? Tell us, what's a fair share? Look, folks, under this proposal, and under this proposal, these proposals I'm talking about, I guarantee you that no one making under $400,000 a year will see one single penny in tax go up, not one. In fact, the plan cuts taxes from working people. And by the way, if you notice the, you know, the way usually. Yeah, sure,
0: sure, sure. That's that's not true, sir. Thank God. Build Back Better died a quick and painful death. But the Democrats are not going to stop. They're still looking for ways to pour more money onto the raging fire that is inflation in this country. They're looking for more ways to create dependency on government because that's what they do. They look for ways to make the middle class dependent on government. And they've gotten pretty darn close to it. I think the midterms are going to be key to us preventing that from happening. God help us. God help us if we become a socialist state, but that's what they want. We need more warriors like Carrie Lake, who is running for the governor's office in Arizona. And I think she has sights on other political positions in the future. But Carrie Lake uh, yesterday went uh, sort of viral in conservative spheres when she talked to the media. She was holding a press event entitled Black Voices for Carrie. She has a great, a great support base from all across all spectrums in Arizona. And I'm really hoping that this is going to be a a slam dunk for her. Although the Democrats are pouring a lot of money into that race trying to rescue their flawed candidate, Katie Holmes or Hobbs. Katie Holmes was the actress on Dawson's Creek. Don't write me. But yesterday, Kerry Lake was asked about denying the um, 2020 election, about being an election denier, because that's now the label that the left side of the political spectrum, mainstream media, and uh, elected Democrats want to call anybody who questions election integrity. Oh, you're an election denier. And it gave us uh, two minutes, just classic two minutes from Kerry Lake that we have to go through.
2: I'm actually shocked you asked that
3: question. Well, I have to give you a tough one once in a while.
0: (laughs) So Carrie Lake is asked about election denying and uh, she says to the reporter, I'm shocked you asked that question. And he doesn't know it's coming. He's clueless. She's ready for him. And she calls over to one of her staffers named Anthony, who hands her a stack of papers. And then the magic happened.
2: You know, I, I did a little actually Anthony Anthony. How old are you? 20. Are you a journalist? No. Well, you did better research than half these people.
0: <laughs> so she credits her staffer, which is nice. That gives me a, a clue as to what strong character she has. And then she kind of throws a slap at the press by saying Anthony, the 20 year old non-journalist did better research than the people, the press. Standing in front of her, quizzing her, and here comes the rope-a-dope punch out.
2: Um, let's talk about election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. Oh wow, look at this. This is from this is from uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Reminder: Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. Democrats saying that is that an election denier? Oh, look at this. Just heard Republican Ryan Costello said it would be difficult for Stacey Abrams to win because she lost her state bid, but yet she's still claiming she never lost. This is outright Hillary Clinton. Trump is an illegitimate president. Is she an election denier? This one says, was the 2016 election legitimate? It now definitely is a question worth asking. That's the Los Angeles Times.
0: She just goes on and on, staring at these people without blinking, staring them down. It's a death stare. They should know better. If you're going to ask a question, you better have an answer or be better be prepared to deal with a strong response from Carrie Lake. She's been doing this since she started the campaign, but this is too much fun. Let's Let's hear more.
2: So it's okay for Democrats to question elections, but it's not okay for Republicans. It's a crock of BS, every one of you knows it. We have our freedom of speech and we're not going to relinquish it to a bunch of fake news propagandists. If you want a copy of these, I'm sure that we're Anthony would help you get a copy and help you learn how to be journalists. journalist, but look it up. It's been happening for a long time. Since 2000, people have questioned the legitimacy of our elections. And all we're asking is that in the future we don't have that have to happen anymore.
0: So she goes to 2000, which was Bush-Gore, right? And she brings up, we have two decades plus of people questioning elections, but it only became a problem when it was Republicans questioning the election of Joe Biden. That's the only time it became a problem. I guess the press is gonna try and fight back here.
2: When I'm governor, excuse me, when I'm governor, we're gonna make sure we have honest elections. We want the Democrats, the Independents, and the Republicans to all know that their vote counted. We want fair, honest, and transparent elections, and we're going to deliver that for the people. But just remember, guys, this is one page after Hillary Clinton says George W. Bush was selected president, not elected. So let's start, if you're going to start throwing around terms like election denier, let's remember who the other election deniers were, Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats.
0: Boom. Just an absolute knockout punch. Carrie Lake for the win, ladies and gentlemen. Carrie Lake dropping the hammer on the mainstream media. And she does this with great regularity. She also did something quite funny yesterday. Her campaign did something quite funny, something quite entertaining. And uh, it's visual, but I'll try and explain it to you. Yesterday, the campaign was having an event. And her opponent, Ms. Hobbs, doesn't show up for any debate that Kerry Lake wants to hold or any debates that are offered. She just refuses to debate because she knows she'll get destroyed. And the uh, left and their acolytes in the mainstream media keep referring to Kerry Lake as performative, a performative candidate, meaning I guess they see her just as a, a show and not somebody with real policies. She's got real policies. But yesterday, at a pretty crowded campaign event in Arizona, they had the backdrop that she stands in front of the Arizona flag. And a gentleman was up there and uh, gave this little announcement. And then the epic level trolling happened.
3: We do have an unexpected guest with us tonight. And so uh, it comes to a shock to everyone. But I would like to extend an opportunity for them to come on stage. Uh, Please give a warm welcome to Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs!
0: Of course, that's the chicken dance. And a person in a chicken costume came on stage and danced for a full minute. (laughs) It's wonderful. I love that we're bringing fun back into uh, political campaigns. We've had all the anger and all the dirt and all the just the commercials that are pounding the candidates on both sides. So good for you. Good for you, Kerry Lake. Uh, I hope you do get an eventual face off against your opponent, but I'm not believing it's going to happen. Even The View called out Hobbs for not debating Kerry Lake. Even the view. How about that? Some other interesting uh, turns as uh, Stacey Abrams is trying to rescue her campaign. It looks like she's in serious trouble in Georgia. And by the way, Georgia, the state that was called Jim Crow 2.0 by Joe Biden and others, Stacey Abrams among them, uh, the uh, voting protections in uh, Georgia have yielded more voting than ever before and huge increases in voters of color. But Stacey Abrams doesn't believe that. She still doesn't believe she lost the election uh, last time. She's going to lose it again this time. But she was on uh, Morning Joe today where Mike Barnacle shows up, the appropriately named Mike Barnacle. Funny how names turn out to be true. He is a barnacle on journalism. Mike Barnacle talking to Stacey Abrams and trying to make a case for abortion as it relates to inflation. And this is some really twisted logic. You have to hear that. Uh,
1: I would assume, maybe incorrectly, But while abortion is an issue, it nowhere reaches the level of interest of voters in terms of the cost of gas, food, bread, milk, things like that. What can a governor, what could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with?
0: Now, interesting, Barnacle's question, it's kind of watery too. It's kind of weird, the question, but Barnacle's talking about The uh, issue of abortion really isn't catching fire the way Democrats thought it would, the way they hoped it would for the midterm elections. And instead, he's trying to refocus her on inflation, gas prices, food prices. And what can a governor do there? Abrams' answer is even more bizarre than that question, which is just mystifying to me.
2: But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are it's important for us to have both and conversations. We don't have the luxury of reducing it or separating them out, but we also have to talk about what a governor can do.
0: Yeah, what a governor can do. You can not make up weird answers like that. Having a child is a choice. Talk about being all for choice. Having a child is something that so many people choose to do because they want to bring people into this world in this great country. But the Democrats see it as an impairment to a lifestyle for a person that you're worried about your cost of gas because you're having children. I'm worried about my safety for my kids and Democrats are all about tearing down law enforcement. I wish we would keep focused as Republicans on crime, the economy, gas prices, energy independence, our national security, our border, et cetera. The other issue that the Democrats appear to now be pivoting towards in addition to the abortion topic is the supreme court and somebody must have had a survey done and they saw that packing the supreme court would be a good thing let's remember ruth bader ginsburg was against it ruth bader ginsburg said the supreme court number at nine was fine but i guess the democrats think there's traction there John Fetterman's talking about abolishing the filibuster and increasing the size of the Supreme Court. And Rhode Island Democrat Seth Magaziner at a debate all but confirmed that he supports packing the Supreme Court, especially with far left justices.
3: Mr. Magaziner, do you support or oppose a bill co-sponsored by Congressman David Cicilline that would expand the number of seats on the Supreme Court from 9 to 13? Support or oppose?
4: I need to learn
5: more about it before I decide. To. Are you open? Do you have any idea? I'm, o- I'm always open to having a conversation.
4: but
0: Yeah, uh, talk about a dodge. I'm always open to having a conversation. What do you need to know? It's, a, it's the Supreme Court. It's not like this is a new issue. Over in New York, another debate for a House seat, Representative Pat Ryan endorses it completely. Um, Would you support expanding the Supreme Court?
3: When an institution like the Supreme Court is no longer aligned with both, I think, our constitutional values and the broad public view, we have to take a hard look and have sort of all the options on the table to figure out how do we get this back in shape I mean we saw in a 48 hour period two seismic Supreme Court decisions that ripped away reproductive freedom put more deadly guns on our streets and that's out of step with where the American populace is
0: no no you're wrong sir you're wrong on that the second amendment is sacrosanct the right to kill babies is not and the right for states to make that decision is and that's really what happened Seriously, uh, Marco Rubio had a very interesting debate with uh, Val Demings, who's trying to jump from the House to the Senate and take Rubio's seat. And uh, Mark, Rub, Mark Rub, Marco, I call him Mark, Marco Rubio had a, some pretty great closings to his um, his debate presentation. He had some pretty strong stuff, but I thought the real interesting one was the um, the shot over Georgia and voting rights
3: it's never been easier Please. to vote it's, sorry. it's never you. been easier to vote it's okay. never been easier to vote in Florida you can now vote by mail for any reason you can vote for example 10 days before the election you can vote on election day in Georgia which they claim to be the place that was suppressing all the votes you had record African-American voter turnout to compare what's happening now to the Jim Crow era where people were literally murdered where people were forced to take poll taxes and pay poll taxes and literacy tests. What are we talking about here? We're talking about this. We're talking about, number one, when you go vote, you show an ID. I have been a Hispanic man my entire life. I'm a minority. I've never felt like producing an ID disadvantages my ability to vote. Everyone has an ID. You can't even check into a hotel. You can't buy Sudafed at Walgreens without an ID. That's number one. Number two is you can't collect a bunch of ballots. Harvesting of ballots. Cars showing up with tons of ballots sitting in the trunk of a car. Things like that, that they want to force down the throat of every state in the country. We don't need that federal law imposed on every state. Florida has very good election laws and other states have very good election laws. And the states that don't have very good election laws are the states that actually have gone in the opposite direction of weakening security.
0: He's right. Marco Rubio with a very strong debate performance. Val Demings, who has a record in law enforcement. She came from law enforcement to the House. I thought she was going to have a better chance and upsetting Rubio. I don't think so now. I think there is a whole lot of strong possibilities that the Senate will come back to Republican control. We still have to win Pennsylvania, which I think is looking better and better. We still have to win Nevada, which I think is looking well. And I think uh, Wisconsin with more and more people seeing who Mandela Barnes is are moving In the right direction so so much good stuff so much really good stuff Uh, there are other stories out here that i want us to uh, spend some time on some stories that caught my attention i mentioned it briefly joe biden is looking to uh pimp out our strategic petroleum reserve again 15 million more barrels of oil taken out of our our rainy day strategic petroleum reserve we're now at a 40-year low on that and China's gonna be able to buy some of that. So that's not even smart for us to be doing. Uh, Kamala Harris has hired her third speechwriter. They keep leaving. Third speechwriter in in this administration since she was sworn in as VP. So what is that, 21 months? Three different speechwriters in 21 months. It's not the writers that are the problem. If your shoes smell, don't blame your socks. Just saying. Just putting that out there. I was upset yesterday when the jury came back and did not find Igor Danchenko guilty of lying to the FBI. It was a uh, near D.C. jury. It was a Virginia, northern Virginia jury. So no shock there. But I was kind of praying for a miracle. Thought that would have been a good thing. The CDC is voting tomorrow to permanently shield Pfizer and Moderna from COVID suits. Let that run around your brain a little bit. The CDC is voting to permanently shield Pfizer and Moderna from from any legal action against them for their vaccines. And uh, I am absolutely stunned by this. And maybe a little pressure, maybe some phone calls would help things out or slow things down. I don't know. The Pfizer CEO was um, on television over the past couple of years talking about the vaccine. And I think it's interesting to hear what he had to say. And I'm asking why is the CDC going to shield any of these corporations who gave us experimental vaccines and we're now seeing some obvious connections to problems. Uh, This was the Pfizer CEO in a montage over the last couple of years.
4: A lot of indications right now that uh, are telling us that there is uh, a a protection against uh, transmission of the
0: disease. So the indications back in the earliest days where there's a protection against transmission of the disease, the opinions were evolving.
4: There is no variant that we have identified that escapes the protection of our vaccine against COVID.
0: So then we were told there's no variant that escapes the protection of our vaccine. So any variant that's out there was still going to have a tough time getting through the Pfizer vaccine.
4: To come now with a treatment of 90% effectiveness, you know, personally makes me a lot, very proud about uh, And we know that. The-
0: so he said that COVID had a 90% effectiveness, the vaccine. Their vaccine was 90% effective and made him very proud. But there's more.
4: We know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection. If
0: Wait, now you're telling us the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection? Is that what you're Let me hear that.
4: The vaccine offer very limited protection, what? if any. The three doses with a booster, they offer reasonable protection. against. It is necessary a fourth boost right now. The, the protection that you are getting from the third, it is uh, good enough actually quite good for hospitalizations and deaths is not that good against infections, but doesn't last.
6: Wow.
0: And we're going to give them complete protection. Uh, Pfizer took in in the year 2021 over $20 billion in profits, just Pfizer in profits, not revenue profits the year before they took in 9 billion. So they more than doubled their profits on the COVID vaccines. Hmm. The CDC is also voting, I believe it's today, today and tomorrow, to make COVID vaccinations mandatory for kids before they can go to school. We need to be making some phone calls to your congressmen, to your senators, and say, tell the CDC not to make the vaccines mandatory for children. They're talking about children, little kids. Not necessary. This is madness. Truly madness. Uh, A couple other stories that caught my attention out there. Um, NASCAR has suspended Bubba Wallace after he um, drove at another driver, got mad at what happened on the track and, and basically used his car as a weapon and then went after that driver in a physical confrontation and he gets a one race suspension. That could have been a deadly crash. Could have been a deadly crash easily. But one race suspension. I think they're afraid because Bubba Wallace happens to be a black man. They're afraid to do what probably would have happened with another driver, a white driver, probably would have been out at least a year and might have been kicked out completely. Just throwing that out there. Uh, While we're into the uh, wokeness, because that's what wokeness is with that NASCAR decision, I think. Uh, 1776, one of my favorite musicals. Uh, the, the way I was kind of introduced to studying the founding fathers was as a kid in high school through 1776 and the story of the uh, Declaration of Independence. Great show. And it was a great movie. You can still find it out there. Some really good songs as well. Well, it's returning to Broadway with a non-binary cast returning to Broadway with a non-binary cast. What does that mean? It means uh, women and non-binary actors will play the Founding Fathers. Are we allowed to call them the Founding Fathers going forward? Just asking a question. Why can't you? Because, you know, we were told that movies and TV shows should now cast people based on the characterizations of the character as written. So if there was a a disabled person in the cast, then you should look for a disabled actor. Daniel Day-Lewis would have never played uh, my left foot. He'd never gotten that role. Just saying. And I wonder if you would require a blind actor if there is a revival of the, The Miracle Worker on Broadway the Helen Keller story, is that, is that going to be required? This is crazy. If you require that, then you have to require that the play written as the Founding Fathers should represent accurately the Founding Fathers. Gender and race, why change history? I don't know why, I wish I did. I, uh, I have our, our friend, Dr. Michael Roizen, with us. Dr. Roizen is somebody we talk to almost every week about health and wellness and uh, what you can do to live better, live younger, live longer. And Dr. Roizen is uh, here for a, a brief moment to uh, discuss a, a story I saw last week. and It's a story about the effectiveness of colonoscopies. There was a huge story that was questioning whether or not all of these colonoscopies that we are doing every year, it seems like once you turn 40, you're not supposed to get one. And then every five years, and then once you turn 50, I guess it's every couple of years. I just had my visit with my doctor, my wellness checkup for the year. And she wrote me a prescription for a colonoscopy. And uh, I saw this article the very next day and I thought, is this really necessary? So Dr. Michael Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic, the author of so many great books about health and wellness, especially the Great Age Rebook Reboot. Dr. Michael Roizen, is it is it important, is it helpful for me to get a colonoscopy?
6: Only if you get it. So this study, which appeared in the New England Journal, had a both intention to treat and a on-protocol analysis. What do we mean by attention to treat? Well, they mailed invitations to get colonoscopy to 14,000 people. The control group was 28,000 people. And it wasn't, at the time they did this in Finland, Sweden, the Nordic countries, um, it wasn't paid for by insurance. So the 28,000, very few of those actually got a colonoscopy. Of the 14,000, only about um, 6,000 got the colonoscopy. And when you do intention to treat, it says, well, of the full 14,000, but remember 8,000 of those, 8,500 actually, didn't get the colonoscopy. And the difference or the benefit was about a uh, 20% diagnosis of colon cancer and about a 10% increase um, in 10-year uh, survival rate um, from colon cancer, but looking at all-cause mortality, there was no difference. And it's, and so the headline was, colonoscopy doesn't make a difference in death rate. And, and that's a public health statement for the all 14,000, 8,500 didn't get it, maybe we shouldn't do it for everyone. That's wrong because in the on protocol, that is of the people who got the colonoscopy, there was a 50% reduction in um, cancer, colon and rectal cancer deaths, and a a improvement in all-cause mortality of about 10%, huge benefits. So the point is, and that's true with blood pressure treatment, if you don't take the pill, to lower your blood pressure and you don't get a lower blood pressure, it doesn't help that you got prescribed the pill. And the same thing is true of aspirin. In the aspirin trials, same thing, 64% of the people only took the aspirin and only 40% of the time. You gotta take the blood pressure pill or the aspirin or get the colonoscopy to be a benefit. The real problem with this type of study in my mind, this type of analysis, is the public health officials say, hey, we shouldn't pay for colonoscopy. It's not um, very efficacious or effective for public health. But that's not true for the individual, nor for the individual practitioner. I consider my job isn't prescribing the blood pressure medicine. It's getting the patient to have the lower blood pressure. And if you don't get the end result, if you don't get the... Um, what we call the outcome, then it's meaningless. So the Cleveland Clinic made its name by being the first and still the staunchest at looking at outcome data. It isn't the process of getting, of sending the message to people, get a colonoscopy. It's the outcome. Did you prevent colon cancer by getting the colonoscopy? So if you will, I'm a little outrageous and, and passionate about this because I fear that Medicare and the insurance companies will use this type of study to say we're not going to pay for colonoscopies. That's wrong because if they, aren't, if they send the letter and you don't get it, they don't even have to pay for it, right? Yeah. So it's only the people who benefit, who actually get it, get the benefit. So um, you can see I am passionate about this. Yes, Michael, if you get the colonoscopy you get the benefit. And that's the message for our listeners is get the colonoscopy, get your blood pressure below 125 and below 85. Take the aspirin with a glass of warm water twice a day and with bovine colostrum, that two grams, so you'd get 70% reduction in the side effect and you get that, that large, production, large reduction in heart attacks from it and from cancer.
0: I love it when you get passionate about it, Dr. Roizen, because it brings us to uh, focus on a very important topic, and that's our health. And I will tell you, you just let me exhale because I check my blood pressure every morning. I have one of those cuffs. And this morning I'm looking at it because I take a picture of it and record it. I was 122 over 84 when I took my blood pressure. So I made it in under your limits. <laughs> and that that's all done with uh, diet and exercise, no medication at this point. And I hope to keep it that way. Uh, Michael Roizen is our friend. He is a doctor with the Cleveland Clinic. He's also the guy, one of the people behind the Great Age Reboot book. You can order it today and start getting yourself healthier and ready for a life that may well extend as far as 120, but in a younger, much healthier body. My friend, thank you so much for being here.
6: My privilege. And by the way, you can go to the website, greatagereboot.com, and sign up. The uh, Reboot Your Age app is free for 10 days, so you can find out if you like it or not. And uh, as I've been told, the audiobook is now available at uh, all of the uh, normal bookseller places. That's cool. That's cool.
0: Thank you, my friend. Let's do it
6: again. Privilege. Thank you.
0: And there he goes, Dr. Michael Roizen, the Cleveland Clinic. He's also on Twitter. I think it's uh, at Dr. Mike Real Age. But if you put in Dr. Royzen in, in the Twitter search function, it's R-O-I-Z-E-N. You will find him. Uh, We're also going to hear from Billy Hallowell, our friend Billy Hallowell, who is one of the great faith writers. And I want to talk to Billy about uh, Joe Biden's abortion address yesterday. Joe Biden gave an address yesterday to uh, try and amp up his his base to try and see if he could get more voters out because the abortion topic is languishing at around number eight in the most important stuff to people. And once you get past the top five or the top three, it doesn't really bring out a lot of voters. So the White House had a campaign style event yesterday where they gathered a bunch of women, had the big flags across the back, and Joey came out and there was rousing applause. And uh, he made some promises to the audience. And he also said some dumb stuff because it wouldn't be a Joe Biden rally without dumb stuff. Joe came out and made a vow to sign a bill that would bring back Roe v. Wade.
1: The only sure way to stop these extremist laws that are put in jeopardy women's health and rights is for Congress to pass a law. And I've said before, the court got Roe right nearly 50 years ago and I believe Congress should codify Roe once and for all.
0: Applause line. Right, right there. now,
1: we're short a handful of votes. If you care about the right to choose, then you got to vote. That's why in these midterm elections, are so critical to elect more Democratic senators to the United States Senate and more Democrats to keep control of the House of Representatives. And, folks, if we do that, here's the promise I make to you and the American people. The first bill that I will send to the Congress will be to codify Roe v. Wade. And when Congress passes it, I'll sign it in January, 50 years after Roe was first decided the law of the land. Glad you got your priorities in order, Joe. We have
0: inflation at 40-year highs. Gas prices continue to be a problem. Ukraine and Russia are still fighting. China is threatening to use force to take Taiwan. North Korea is actually lobbing artillery shells near South Korea. The border remains open fentanyl is coming across the border delivered uh, the uh, the ingredients in fentanyl delivered from china to the cartels in mexico pouring across the border at such a rate texas captured a load of fentanyl a couple days ago that there was enough there to kill every american there was enough there to kill more than 350 million people and the packages were stamped with the cnn logo why Why was the CNN logo on the packages of uh, fake fentanyl coming into this country from Mexico? But you just continue supporting killing of life inside of women. Yeah, Uh, Joe brought out Whisper Joe yesterday too. It wouldn't be uh, complete any kind of his uh, speeches without Whisper Joe showing up.
1: If Republicans get their way with a national ban it won't matter where you live in America so let me be very clear if such a bill were to pass in the next several years I'll veto it don't you have to be around in the next several years isn't
0: that true yeah he he got lost uh talking about some of the stuff though Joe got lost getting into some of the Supreme Court discussions yesterday, as he always does.
1: I've warned about how this decision risks the broader right to privacy for everyone. There's a thing called the Ninth Amendment that says there's a right to privacy. That's how it was interpreted back then.
0: The Ninth Amendment, a right to privacy. I guess this is now selective enforcement or selective attention being put on certain rights. Because the right to privacy, uh, we're all being scanned now all the time, right? You're monitoring so much. So where's that right to privacy? Where's that right? And, and if we're talking about this whole issue of choice, where was the right to choose not to get an experimental vaccine? How many thousands of people lost their jobs in the military as doctors, nurses, first responders? Because they chose not to take an experimental vaccine. I got it. I wish I didn't. Truly, I regret it. To this day. But let's listen to Joe getting lost in the
1: sauce. Well, guess what, folks? That's because Roe recognized the fundamental right to privacy that has served as a basis for many more rights that are where were to come and to take we've taken for granted of late. And they're ingrained in the fabric of this country.
0: Sounds like he's getting lost in the teleprompter a little bit. You can tell when he goes, yeah, guess what?
1: The right to make a decision the best decision for your health, the right to birth control, the right that I pushed hard and it finally got changed, the married couples and the privacy of the bedroom, excuse me, the mari- I'm thinking about the Dobbs, the Dobbs decision. What are you thinking about? What, where is this going? He did signal to us he was about
0: to get lost. He went off script here.
1: The right to make a decision, the best decision for your health, the right to birth control.
0: Well, birth control isn't at risk. You're not going to stop birth control. So stop with the scaring, but try and get yourself through the mud of this word salad.
1: The right that I pushed hard and it finally got changed, the married couples and the privacy of the bedroom, excuse me. The mar- I'm thinking about the Dobbs, the Dobbs decision. Imagine, well, I'll get to that in a second with Clarence Thomas. What in the hell are you talking about? Married couples in the
0: privacy of their own bedroom. What, where is he going? What? What is his brain wandering around focusing on? It was really odd.
1: But the right to marry who you love. Look, folks. <laughs> Justice Thomas said as much in his concurring opinion in the Dobbs, writing, quote, in future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents including Griswold regarding to uh, the, the whole idea of contraception Lawrence and Ogilby Look wait who who was that last one are you possibly
0: talking about Obergefell is that where you're
1: going uh, the, the, the whole idea of contraception Lawrence and Ogilby Look folks Meanwhile, and I just want to make clear, I know you all know, but I'll make sure they're talking about the right to use contraception and the right to marry who you love. I mean, anyway, I don't want to get started. What?
0: What did any of that mean? We have a new uh, we have a new (laughs) special moment from Joe. I mean, anyway, I don't want to get started. Anyway, I don't want to get started. That means he doesn't know where he was going. And at the end of the speech, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just watched the clips and grabbed these. At the end of the speech, Joe really didn't know where he was going. This is how it ended. It was very bizarre.
1: We are the United States of America, and there's nothing beyond our capacity. So vote, vote, vote. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you. I'm sorry. Okay, so the music comes
0: up after Joe thanks the people and the troops. What troops? What's he talking about? And then he says, thank you, I'm sorry. Why was he saying I'm sorry? Well, the music came up and then Joe went back and grabbed the microphone a few seconds later and explained that he was really saying I'm sorry to the people behind him who had to look at his back the whole time. But he completely forgot about all that and just said, thank you. I'm sorry, which might be my new favorite closing for Joe Biden ever. Thank you. I'm sorry. He should be saying that when he's leaving the presidency, which hopefully will be sooner rather than later. Thank you. I'm sorry. No, we're sorry, Joe. We're all sorry. As I said, I did not watch it. My friend uh, Billy Hallowell did. Billy Hallowell, a great writer with CBN News, uh, faith writer, somebody I worked with at The Blaze, and I'm, I'm happy Billy is back and uh, thrilled that we can have you here, Billy Hallowell, and we can discuss this and a few other things I have to ask you about Halloween. Welcome back, my friend.
5: Uh, well, Well, welcoming me back always is exciting. I love when you have me back. You know,
0: I do. Yeah, well, you know, it's been too long, but it's starting to become more regular that you and I hang out again. And that is good. Uh, I did not see, in all honesty, I did not see Joe Biden's speech on abortion today. I commented on it yesterday because his attendance at St. Joseph's Church on the Brandywine, very close to where I live, always makes me laugh because i think here's the guy who's telling everybody i'm so catholic i'm so catholic and then two days later he's like let's go kill some babies yeah and i'm sure (laughs) that 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 didn't happen in the speech did it well i mean if you ran it through google translate maybe i think (laughs)
5: because what what this is what you're watching happen right now is the democrats are desperate they're looking at the fact that New York State, let's just talk about New York State, you have a situation where the last two elections it was 13 percentage point difference between the Republican and the Democrat and 22 percentage points. Now you have a 5.3 percentage point difference between Zeldin and Hochul. That doesn't happen in New York State, right? Uh, Very rarely does that happen and so you're watching this unfold across the country because guess what? Nobody has their 401k intact, everybody's losing money, the cost of everything's crazy, so They're turning to one of the few things they have, and it's so sad to me and also disturbing that it's abortion, right? So he is promising that he is going to codify, put abortion into the law, that if he not only obviously can retain, he's got two more years, right, but if he can get two more senators in there, if they can keep the House and the Senate, they are going to pass an abortion bill, and they are going to make sure they get around the Supreme Court. And, you know, system of checks and balances create a law that would make sure everybody has access to abortion. And that is all they have in their playbook right now.
0: And and this law that he's talking about, are there any specifics along the lines of what even Lindsey Graham proposed uh, several weeks ago, the 15-week law?
5: No, as far as I know, there aren't. I don't think they've come out with exactly what this would look like. But what's so interesting, I'm glad you brought that up. Most Americans, when you, when you look at the polling on this, because it's true, most Americans wanted Roe to stay. But people are also very confused. Abortion is a super complex issue, right? To most people, Roe just meant the ability to make a decision. When you dig into the details, Lindsey Graham's proposal, not only is that very similar to what is going on around the world, but most pro-choice people, the majority of pro-choice, not just pro-life, they would cap abortion at three months, even less than 15 weeks. Wow. So the, it's, it's a lie that the country is obsessed with abortion and everybody wants abortion on demand. What you're watching happen is Fetterman and some of these other politicians, they're not willing to say they would stop abortion at any point, right? So I'm very nervous and very interested to see what proposal the Democrats will have on this, because so far they've shown, a lot of them, that they're willing to go through birth.
0: Yeah, they're going all the way up to birth. In fact, you see the clips of Fetterman, Stacey Abrams. Uh, I think Raphael Warnock has dodged even answering the question in Georgia when he's asked about it. It's very ghoulish to me. And on top of that, Billy, it directly contradicts one of the statements made by somebody from, I think it was a Harvard uh, professor who talked about the trans thing, saying that uh, children know while they are in the womb whether or not they are transgender, and I'm thinking, well, how how do you know? How do you know? Because you you're not declared your gender until you're really born. You know, you the doctor looks at you, and goes, okay, there's an Audi, that's a that's a boy. <laughs> or there's an Inny, and that's a girl. And I know those are medical terms, so it confuses people. But for for this person to say that is is insane to me because at that point they're saying that that's a sentient being that that's a human Mm -hmm. inside of the mother and then they're saying well but we're okay with any somebody killing that right up until the time it's born absolutely none of this makes any
5: sense the language they use doesn't make sense none of it has ever equated and that is why we've come to this place Yeah, look, Americans, we're we're a strange breed. Everybody loves freedom. Everybody loves, you know, I'm going to make my own decisions. And so when the Supreme Court does something major, like, you know, the Dobbs decision, which turned abortion back to the states, it's going to have an immediate effect where people feel like something is being taken away. They don't fully maybe even understand what the law was. How many people did you know who were walking around? Because I know a lot of people saying they're going to make abortion illegal. Well, no, that's not what happened. They returned it to the states and allowed the states to make their own decision on it, which is the case for many other things, you know, many other laws and many other issues. Uh, but yeah, none of it makes sense. And the point you made about, you know, oh, they know in the womb, suddenly, suddenly unborn babies are brilliant. They're not just clumps of cells. Suddenly they can decide what their gender is in the womb. And They can cook you a meal and they can do all these other things because they're human beings when we want them to be. But look, even how celebrities celebrate pregnancy. I think it's great to celebrate pregnancy, but it's very bizarre to me that some of the same people advocating for abortion without restriction celebrate their own pregnancies, announce at three months that they're pregnant with a quote, baby, right? So I think the problem with this, like many other things, people operate based on their emotion, right? So because they love this baby and want it, it gets to be a baby. But even though it's still a baby, if they don't want it, they can use other language to diminish it. And it's, it's really bizarre.
0: You know, you use the word convenient, and and that's a word that my late mother used to use to describe uh, Catholics who were cafeteria Catholics. That's another one of her terms, where they'd say uh, they walk down the the aisle and look at the Catholic doctrine and say, well, I'll have some of that, but I don't want any of that. You can keep that. And uh, it's just so unusual to me. But we have been, as you described us, a strange group, we Americans, that we do kind of change our opinion on topics based on how it relates to our own convenience or our own personal beliefs Mm -hmm. but we're also told follow the science during the earliest days of the pandemic we were told the science the science the science and do we not have enough science to define that the the baby inside the mother has a, a brain that has activity and a heart that's beating at a very early stage
5: yeah, well, how about the other fact that we were all in that stage at some point, and here we are talking, right? I think, yes, absolutely, but we're living in an era in which science is whatever people want it to be, right? They wield it as a political tool. Follow the science. Okay, well, apparently if Stacey Abrams can sit on a stage, and we all heard this, and tell us that it's a lie that when you hear a sonogram, right, at, three mu- at you know six weeks, that when you hear that sound, it's not really the heartbeat. It's the sound of the machine. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I've had my wife has had two kids. I have sat there, I've listened to that sound. Even if you want to haggle around the definition of what's going on, it's cardiac activity right before the heart is formed, as the heart is forming, indicating that the child is alive. It's a human life. I mean, this is but that's the world we're living in, right? That you can just change the science and pretend it's something else and then lecture everybody that they should follow the science. It's not only is it maddening it's actually really sad because we are talking about human beings and lives and we've diminished them into essential nothingness. And now we're using them as a political tool because we're so desperate on the Democratic side. They're so desperate that guess what? This is what we're going to hang our hat on. That is it's despicable.
0: It, it is despicable. I agree with you. Now, let's get on to my uh, annual questioning of you as regards to the upcoming Halloween holiday and i i hate calling it a holiday but people have gotten so crazy with halloween and this now after the pandemic officially disc- declared over by joe biden uh after the <laughs> pandemic it looks like we're back on with full halloween celebrations with the only masks being those worn by little kids in costumes uh do your kids are they ever allowed to wear demonic costumes or is there is it kind of a religious Halloween in your house?
5: We are not allowed to be anything dark. Um, and, you know, this is something that, you know, we do participate in Halloween, which some people don't like. They're like, why would you do that? But we, we go trick-or-treating. The kids have fun. You know, my oldest just turned 10, so she's inching out. You know, she's probably got a couple more years maybe of messing around in this, and that's it. But we do not allow them to. And they're not really interested. Every once in a while, they'll say, oh, you know, they'll bring it up, and we've talked about it because i don't i don't want to be the kind of person who goes to church on sunday and worships god and then goes out and you know we're doing these evil awful i mean essentially you're basically paying tribute to sort of nasty and evil things so we just we don't do that i don't judge other people but for us we don't partake in that way
0: so what happens when you're watching tv as a family and the commercial comes on for the series lucifer how do you explain that to your kids
5: you know, it's interesting because, you know, obviously I wrote a book, Playing with Fire, and so I've talked a lot about this issue of evil. We talk to the kids about evil. When I was a kid, my parents didn't talk to me about it really. It wasn't, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home, but we didn't sit down and talk about it. I think if you're living in the world today and you're raising kids, it's really hard not to talk about evil. And you've got to adjust it to like how old they are. But, but my 10 year old, I've had very open conversations with her about the fact that evil is real, it exists. And sadly, she knows about school shootings and other events because she hears about them. And so we have honest conversation about that. And I think it's important, too. So, you know, we confront it head on. I, I try not to lie or shy away from that stuff.
0: I respect your skills as a parent. You're so good, Billy Halliwell. And well, I don't know
5: about that. I try. Yeah,
0: you are. Yeah, I've <laughs> witnessed it in person from our days at The Blaze uh, all the way up to right now. You're still impressive, my friend. And uh, your work appears at uh, CBNnews.com? Yep,
5: CBNnews.com. And uh, we actually have a daily show uh, called Quick Start. It's like a quick uh, faith news headline show that's worth checking out, too. I'm on there.
0: Are you still doing that dumb Church Boys podcast?
5: We're on a hiatus right now, but I'm doing like five or six shows. I'm, I'm like you, Michael Pelka. I'm everywhere at the same time.
0: Thank you for not saying it. I'm like you and like fertilizer. I'm everywhere, all spread out all over the place, stinking up the like joints. <laughs> My friend, uh, thank you so much. It is always fun. And uh, let's get together in person soon. Yes, let's do it. And there he goes, Billy Hallowell at CBNnews.com. He's also great on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and uh, a delightful human being. His book about demons called playing with fire is fascinating and especially the reading of it around this time of year when demons seem to be on everyone's mind before we get out of here i have to share something with you my friend jason howerton is uh posting something that caught my attention on twitter and it is uh kids that are brainwashed into thinking that farming is destroying the climate. I want you to drink that in. Farming is destroying the climate. That's what kids think. Listen to these kids. They sound Australian, but they're being interviewed by like a child reporter.
2: Farming needs to stop. That's the single biggest driver of climate change.
0: Farming needs to stop. That's the single biggest driver of climate change. I initially saw that and I thought, these kids have to understand that food comes out of the ground. It's grown and comes out of the ground. And that's how we get it. We need farmers to eat. And I thought, maybe it's a joke. And then I realized it was about, oh, three years ago, that young congressperson, Alexandria, occasionally coherent, had her garden in Washington. And uh, she was amazed to see food growing out of the garden she did a community garden update and we saw this happen
3: oh my god you guys i just checked on my community garden slot and i was so nervous because i was i was in new york for 2 weeks in recess look oh my god look at this
0: it like Never mind. The plants look like somebody bought them from the store and put them in there. But let's let's have, let's let her freak out some more. Look at the collard greens.
2: They're huge. Look at the dahlias. Oh, my God. I don't have to trim all of these back for smoothies.
0: <gasps> I Yeah. Yeah, she's she's an idiot. She's shook. She even said she shook. I cut her off too early. So you got to hear it.
3: I am shook.
0: Which translates into, I'm a moron, and yet she keeps getting elected. We have to make sure we fix a lot of the problems that we can fix in 19 full days, and make sure your like-minded neighbors are voting too. Let's get the job done. Uh, By the way, programming note, I am on uh, Wednesday evening, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., on 92.5 Fox News out of Fort Myers, Naples, 92.5 Fox News, and it streams for free at rightallalong.net. Rightallalong.net. Till next time, testudo, my friends, testudo.